Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 409, covering Stardust City Rag, with Caitlin Purdy. Hi, friends. It's, what is it, week five? It is week five, five, yes. Food. Oh, so we're halfway, halfway yep. through. And we had a, we had a, a sudden uh, guest change, mm-hmm. as, as you guys will completely understand. Uh, at the end of last week, we're like, well, Flonk is scheduled. Flonk, do you mind waiting? Because uh, obviously, Caitlin needs to show up next week, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. No, I get it entirely. Let me make sure. And, you know, he had, to, he had to move some work stuff around, but he's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, please. So... So big thanks to Flonk because Seven may come back, but if she didn't, this would be a missed opportunity. Yeah, oh absolutely. man, that'd be tragic. Yeah, just like you, you would have missed it by like a week. You're like, oh, she was just here. Oh man, <sighs> I just missed her. And it's <laughs> it, to be clear, Caitlin, it's been great having you on for like when Voyager ended. You've you've been on for Enterprise, you've been on for Discovery, and we love hearing from you on those things mm. too. But this was the reason you came on in the first place. Yeah. Yes. I'm I'm here as the resident seven of nine expert. Yes. And enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're all excited to see where she is now, but no one's more excited than you. So few people can. Very... It's really hard to be more excited than me. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, did you know she was going to show up? Like, did you watch the trailers and stuff? Did you know she was going to be in the show at all? So I knew she was going to be in the show and I haven't watched the trailers. I don't usually watch any of the trailers, but um, I I follow her religiously on mm-hmm. social media, um, wow. mostly on Instagram where she's pretty active. So I knew that she'd been filming and I knew stuff was happening and I knew she was doing premieres and promos. Um, so I knew stuff was going on, but I did not know when she was going to show up. Um, so when she showed up at the end of the last episode, um, I found out before I watched it, but I had no idea she was going to be like so central in this episode. Mm-hmm. But I like I I had hints, but it was none of it was from any of the trailers or anything. It was all just from her. No, and I feel like one or more of us after we saw last week said, uh, Caitlin, have you seen this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. So we we probably hinted at you inadvertently. So yes. apologies for that. I but... see. I seem to recall that happening when the trailer launched, too. So, yeah. That, and I only watched the first one because I'm not a big trailer guy there. I like sure. to go in like blind. Yeah. But I did. I did watch the first one and she was in that. And. But uh, as Tidra pointed out last week, they did some nice uh, misdirection because you see Seven in Picard's office and you think, oh, well, she's going to be there on Earth. And like when they went into space, like, well, I guess she's not going to be until they go back to Earth. But nope, holographic no, office. Yeah. Yeah. So good, good job misleading us. Mm-hmm. There. So. So before before we get into it, Caitlin, just just broadly speaking, was it everything you hoped it would be? It was so different and I tried not to have expectations because I knew this was going to be a really different seven of nine because there's so much time has passed. She's had so many different experiences, but TV's TV's very different now than it was when we last saw seven Mm -hmm. of nine. Yes, for sure. So, but so, I mean, I I didn't have a whole lot of expectations, but I am, I am more than satisfied. My cup is my seven of nine cup is full. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Because I just, the acting was incredible. I, I thought the, her role in this story was really cool. And um, I think that they gave us a lot of 
sprinkling of tidbits about what's happened over the last huge chunk of time. Like all of you know. which makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just, ooh, I'm excited to learn mm. more. I want like a whole seven of nine show, but I just mm-hmm. want to know more about what she's seen, you know, and how, um, how she has, you know, taken this situation and what she has done with it, with her, with her experience. We know what Picard did with the situation and I'm excited to see what she has done. Mm. No. And, and I was excited. Like if I were to, if you put like me and Matt in charge of here's the next Star Trek show. And you said you get to follow up on anything you want from like the next gen DS nine Voyager era. She'd be on the list somewhere. Oh, definitely. But, oh, yeah. but she might I mean, not we be number did. one. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully there is no direct contradiction of the brief appearance. We, we gave seven in the premiere of Endeavor. So like, <laughs> I, I think these things can fit together. She's a little less uh, seven stiff. Uh, yeah, Picard, but, but uh... my my head canon, which since it's our show is real canon, mm-hmm. is that uh, seeing Naomi, she sort of reverted back to her old self. I can see that. And then when she went back to work, she toughened up again. But like she softened a little, and she's like, "Oh, this is the seven she knows. Let me let me make it like old times." So that's that's my theory. Back to her old routines, is, mm-hmm. which is fact because again, it's our show. Sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> But it's it's interesting to me that they chose like we could be following up on uh, Jordy, we could be following up on I don't know Odo. Like from all the shows, it's mm-hmm. interesting that they they put her near the top. Mm-hmm. Like after Data, she's the first person other than Picard we've we've like spent a lot of time with. It's interesting. Yeah, she's a cool choice though. She's a really cool action hero choice. Yeah, and something the show spends a little time on is these two have a huge thing in common that, I mean, yeah, you know that, but you kind of forget it sometimes. Mm. Oh, right. They were both Borg who are no longer Borg. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's not just, she's a random character. They have some, like some common ground. Here. Yeah. So that's good. But before we get into like, there's a lot to discuss, but uh-huh. uh, why, don't, why don't we, uh, why don't you kick it off with a summary, please, Caitlin of Stardust City Rag. Yeah. I almost forgot about my summary for a second. I was just ready to dive in. Yeah, sorry. I, I wanted to get an overview and then we just kind of started getting into it. Because yes, we're so excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stardust City Rag. So we open on a place I don't know or care about unless this is a flashback to what Seven was doing. So 13 years ago with the Seven Domes, there's blood and some gross eyeball surgery and really not fun squishy wet meat sounds. Luckily, Seven walks in and shoots the person responsible for the squishy wet meat sounds. Seven calls out a name from seasons long past. Echeb. But she's too late to save him, and he begs her to end his suffering. We see Seven show more emotion than ever before as she grants his request. Then we fast forward to a very different scene two weeks ago in some fancy piano lounge with a probably chaotic evil loan shark lady who goes off to do something sketchy to Bruce Maddox. Bruce is far too trusting and gets drugged and kidnapped. Fast forward again to now, my girl and Picard sipping on bourbon and chatting. Seven is a Fenris ranger and very much more human than we remember. We learn that these rangers are some kind of protectors, which Picard compares to vigilantes. Their relationship seems strained, but as Picard tells her of his mission to find and protect a vulnerable person, she grabs another drink and settles down. Finally, we get to this free cloud place we keep talking about, and we get to see what pop-up ads look like in the future, and it is not good. (laughs) 
Raffi finds Maddox for sale on Craigslist, and his seller is none other than the woman behind the whole wet meat opening scene thing. Seven is ready to fight, and she makes a plan to trade herself for Maddox, and the crew lands in Transmetropolitan. Everyone suits up to pull off the trade, including an eyepatch-wearing Picard. We get some clues during the exchange about the state of this new future world, including that people like Seven are rare as fuck. We learn, too, that Bajazel and Seven have hella history, and Seven has escaped from her before. As Seven starts to take her revenge, Picard goes into full daddy mode and makes Seven tell her, tell him his story about how Jazel's crew kidnapped Ichem and took his Borg bits. Everybody talks it out and they end up leaving with Maddox and call it a success. But as Seven gets ready to bail and leaves Picard her calling card before going back to Jazzy with two big guns to get some good old-fashioned revenge. The episode closes on Picard learning from Maddox that there is some kind of conspiracy that he was investigating. He sent Soji to the artifact and Dodge to Earth to gather more information. Then Agnes comes out and murders Maddox out of fucking nowhere. The end. Yeah, that was that it's was a very uh, busy episode. It was. <laughs> so much happened. Yeah. So I I feel like we should just continue our seven conversation. Like mm. we have a lot. There's yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of other yeah. stuff to cover, but, but <laughs> we've already started talking about this. Matt, you you haven't had a lot to say, and I assume you're pleased to see her as well. Oh God. Okay. So I love I love. We got the Fenris Rangers name checked last week, and I love that she's part of that now. Yeah, so it's like a, it's like uh, in the in the wake of all the Romulan like horror, mm-hmm. like like this uh, sort of self appointed. Like, I guess they they're going for like Texas Rangers kind of thing. It's like, like they're, start they're out there on order on the frontier, trying to trying to keep things. Well, it's straight. like Starfleet's pulled back, so they're not doing any kind of like law enforcement anymore. And apparently, the neutral zone collapsed. We found out this episode, mm-hmm. and that's, that's fucking rough. cool. So we've got yeah. two different like giant powers that are no longer enforcing any kind of law in the galaxy. So we got the Fenris Rangers stepping up to like do that, and Seven's one of them, and it rules. Yeah, it's a very Wild West, like, there's no law, so we took the law in our own hands mm. kind of thing. And and Picard even says that. He says, you took the law in your own hands. And she just goes, law? What law? Yeah, exactly. And that's a very good moment. And it it all ties thematically to her wanting to help the helpless kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is very good. Like, what we see at the beginning, like what she talks about throughout. Picard has this great way of every time he gets someone to help him, he... He's weaponized his dad guilt. Mm-hmm. Yep. He finds the thing that's going to make them not be able to resist helping. He says, well, there's a sad, lonely little girl out there who needs our help. But uh, you just go on without us. Oh, no, we'll you're see right. See about should. rescuing this helpless girl. She's going to Give die. Give me another drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, it, he knows just del- what buttons to push. Uh-huh. It's deliberate. Like, it's it's very good writing because you see it every time. You see when, like, I laughed about it when he did it to Raffi where he's like, Romulan assassins are on Earth. But <laughs> he's done it to all of them, and it's so good. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, there's this moment between them, and this is your quote, Caitlin, where they actually have a conversation about both of their, like, their Borg experience. Yeah, I'm finally kind of calling out to it that you hear um, Rios and Raffi having like a side conversation about it, but you never ever see it addressed between them until the very end of the episode. After they brought you back from your time in the collective, do you honestly feel that you regained your humanity? Yes. All of it. 
that we're both working on it, aren't we? Every damn day of my life. And it's oh, it's so it's good. It's so and that's, very good. Oh my god! I wanted the whole episode to be that. Yeah, I think it, it's also very it. like um, I feel I feel like from Picard's point of view, like at the end of that conversation. I mean, it's short, but he's kind of he's kind of just like I get you, even though you're doing something that I kind of don't necessarily hundred percent agree with. He's just like I get you. Yeah, you're still out here doing something, and I'm just sort of clearing the cobwebs of guilt away from the fact that I haven't done shit for 20 years. Yes. So I can hardly judge you because you're out here doing something you have been the whole time, Mm -hmm. which is very good. Also, the fact that she went down there and followed through and finished off fucking Vajayjay is impressive. She just flat out murders her. It's fucking awesome. So satisfying. Yeah, like TV back in the day would not let a heroic character do that. No. But we're not there anymore. It's nice. Yeah, she went back there to fuck her up. Yeah, and it's completely earned. It's not like, oh, they, you know, it's not like they're edgelording it up. Like, I complain a lot when, you know, noble Starfleet people do horrible things. That's not this. She's never been Starfleet, first of all. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they killed the closest thing she has to kin, as she calls him. Yep. Like each of now played by a different actor. Well, <laughs> we did a little digging on that. <laughs> yeah. You want to, you want to take this one? I don't want to dig too deep into this, but the dude that plays each episode turned out to be a real piece of shit. Yeah. He, uh, on Twitter, he said, uh, that Anthony Rapp, uh, is a whiner mm-hmm. and shouldn't complain about the, the horrible things that he went through. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so I would really fuck that like to guy think, forever. I hope. I hope the reason they didn't get him back is because someone in charge of Star Trek said, no, you know what? Mm-hmm. No, because of that, you don't get to come back. Yeah, that would be that nice. would be nice. Yeah. You're blacklisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it might be a coincidence, but I'd like to think that was part of the decision. Sure. Because don't don't be that guy. What the man. fuck? Also, I know a lot of people did not care for Ichev. I barely remembered him. Yeah. He was the, like just the bland Borg kid who took our attention away from Naomi showing up more often. <laughs> well, I think all of, like, because there were several Borg children. There were, but we didn't, like, they all sucked. We didn't put them in our, in our fucking show. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, I think our complaint was that all of the Borg children took, like, not him specifically, just the whole group of them. He was the face of the Borg children, though, Al. He was. I, Anytime I the Borg children showed up, it was Icheb and his band of Borg children. Uh, so he was like Wesley. He was like king of all children. He was the king of Borg children. Right. That's how I remember I, him, honestly. Mm-hmm. He's just well, leading the group. Caitlin, you you were not a fan, I, I take it. I'm not huge, no, on him. He was just really stiff as a board. And I don't remember him um, like a ton. I remember him just in the context of like what he meant for yeah. Seven's character's journey. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, that's how I view all of Voyager. Mm-hmm. But right. um, like I think he was also... I remember him being just, you know, pretty dry, you know, yeah. he wasn't anything that special. I I did a quick, like, just search through our old Pa notes because I didn't remember because my memory's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I there was an episode that, like you just mentioned, Matt, about, like, it's Icheb's sort of awkwardly hitting puberty and yeah. thinking Bolana's into him. And oh, recall, yeah, they didn't, they didn't play it too creepy. It was more just like, like, boy thinks grown woman 
is into him and doesn't know what to do about yeah. it kind of thing. And I remember that being kind of cute, actually. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm misremembering. I remember Flonk hates him, and I remember Irish Gaff hates him. Yep. That's what I remember. But Those are two said, people whose opinion I, I respect, though. So Yeah. No, any any of the regular podcasts, like I'm I, I always very much consider their their input. I don't always agree, but I you know, the fact that, that two of our regulars hate him, there must be something to that. Yeah. But that said, nobody hates uh past tense like we do, so they're not always right. <laughs> um but I can totally see why I, Seven and him have would have developed such a strong connection after oh, leaving definitely. Voyager when you're not like detached from the world. Instead, like you're coming to this place that's huge and vast and there's not many people like you. So you would probably stick together. And so it totally makes sense that like she went off to be his mom. Well, and it it looks like the amount of cured Borg that exists is still pretty low. Like we still haven't figured out how to do that regularly. Well, the the big deal about Seven, as they said in the episode, is that she was a Borg for a long time. They got her as a kid and they put tons of implants in her. So to the black market, she's way more valuable than... Mm-hmm. These newer ones, they said, which are like, I assume when the Borg cubes came through and assimilated people and we took them right back, they just all they had a time to do was like, you know, replace a finger or something. Yeah. Like, OK, that's fine. But Seven's got like all the gadgets. She's got kidneys. Yeah. Ooh. They went through the whole list of all the stuff she had. I don't know like, why the has... kidneys really stood out to me. Hips stood out to me. Like, What does she need <laughs> hip Borg hips for? Bionic hips. Well, these hips lie 10% of the time, and we need hips that don't lie, so. Wait, no, this hip lies, and this hip only tells the truth. <laughs> and you have one question. Right. But I, all of this said, like, I like that they brought back Echeb. This, this, this ties into my good thing. Mm-hmm. There were some really good deep-cut continuity pulls. Like, that's a character I haven't thought about since we watched Voyager, yeah. but it, it made sense. Like, near, and I had, to re, I had to look this up again because I didn't remember, but he was hoping to go into Starfleet Academy when they got back to, mm-hmm. to Earth. And he did. We see him here in his Starfleet uniform being torn apart. And yep. it's like, they followed through with that. And it's like, they brought him back. There was Tranya. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Bruce Hope Maddox did not relish it as, as much as I. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Quark. Oh, yeah. Quark gets, <laughs> Quark gets two shout-outs in this episode. Yeah, he gets uh, uh, Rios, and I don't know if Rios has actually met him or if it was part of his fake criminal backstory, mm-hmm. but he says, like, I, I helped Mr. Quark of Ferenginar. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the establishing shot of Free Cloud, which is sort of like a, a space Vegas. Very Vegas-y. With, uh, there's also when I a was bit in, of... Uh, when I was in uh, uh, California for Disneyland, we went to mm-hmm. uh, Universal Studios, and it looks a lot like that, too. I also, they also mentioned, like, there's a bit of sort of Cayman Islands there, because it's like, if you want to, like, hide your financial records, this place is off the grid kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's one of those, like, offshore places where shady people hide their shit. Yeah. Um, but in the establishing shot, w- so we complain about Free Cloud being a stupid name, but it's a perfect name for a place like that. For oh, yeah. In the establishing shot, we get a place that is called Quark's Bar. Mm-hmm. And... My theory, we don't know this. My theory is that does not belong to Quark. At some point, he's had a lot of financial ups and downs in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he got enough money to franchise, and then he completely lost the franchise and doesn't even have the rights to his own name anymore. No, I love the idea that he's that there's st- his his bar is still open on DS9. There's a sign mm-hmm. up front that says Original Quark's Bar. Oh, I think <laughs> I think like somebody like Brunt like 
took away his rights to use his name and the place is just called Bar now. <laughs> Morn is still there. Of course. But regardless, it was a nice nod. There was also Mr. Mott's Barbershop mm-hmm. with a picture of a Bolian, so you know it's the same Mr. Mott. Like, and was... Nice to know that guy's doing all right for himself. Yeah. Like, we're running around in a universe where these people and things exist and mm-hmm. nobody's ashamed to mention it from time to time. And it, like... There is there is a too far, like we talked about. There's there's a fan service that just feels like, ugh, that again. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Spock. But these are deep cuts. These yeah. are like these are these are good. I like all this mm-hmm. stuff. So very pleased to see all of that. I definitely enjoyed just like even looking around that little we only got to see it for a few seconds, but it was very, very cool just to see like what does the world look like in this place. And there's so much detail. Like if you freeze frame, mm-hmm. it's not just the it's not just the continuity shout outs. It's it's everything. It's yeah, like, it there's looks a lot like a of real detail. It looks like a real place, you know? Yeah. The production not value. Just, not just like a, a matte painting of like the fucking Klingon homeworld that we've seen a million times. Uh, that that painting of a city where there's like five people walking in front of yep. it. Like Cardassia and Bajor, like every main planet had that same yeah. shot. Like it looks, it looks real. It looks lived in. You were saying this when we were watching the episode. This is the most Star Wars they've been able to make it. <laughs> yeah, we got a we got a CD bar, and for the first time, like it felt like it's because they were willing to embrace the cheesiness. Yes, of it. they weren't trying to make everything serious and and like dark. And free, like Free Cloud is like it's sleazy, but it's also dumb. Yeah, it's like real it's, stupid. It's okay. that Vegas. I, uh, it's that Vegas vacation spot thing, you know. But it's. It's also the seedier parts of Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. it's and we might as well just get into this. Caitlin, you were not a fan of this. Yes, this is your bad thing. Like one of the <laughs> one of the more campier elements. You were not uh, happy with. Yeah, I hated Picard in an eye patched. Uh, I just like he looked like he walked out of some like seventies Shakespeare film that I have to watch in like eleventh grade, <laughs> and uh-huh. I just I didn't like it. He looked really clean. So it it like. I don't know, just them being so clean in this, like, with these, like, fresh, weird, velvety outfits in this mm. seedy bar was just weird for me. It all seemed really staged, but, like, I get that that's what they were going for, but I just, I didn't like the aesthetic of it. It looked like... So was it just Picard or was it everybody? Uh, I, yeah, I wasn't that big on, like, well, I want Rios's jacket, but mm-hmm. I, I think, like, the whole Rios aesthetic, I wasn't, like, super thrilled on either he reminded me very much of jarlaxle from the the uh forgotten realms books and uh, i just was like i don't know i was just taken out of it i See, i will defend pimp rios to the death <laughs> it's just like I, oh my god just when i thought he couldn't get hotter here's the thing is way early in this podcast i was not particularly a fan of camp i have come around in in more recent years mm-hmm. and come to love it i just didn't get it i didn't as a kid, I didn't understand, like, it's supposed to be a little dumb. That's the mm-hmm. fun of it. Like, just relax a little. And I'm not saying you're you're wrong to dislike it, Caitlin. I'm just saying, like, for me, that was my sort of journey. And Star Trek has been terrified of this vibe for, I think the last time I remember them pulling off a good campy thing was when they were doing, like, the 30s pulp throwback in Voyager, like the... Uh, what was the... Oh, the, uh, um, the Captain Jane Proton playing stuff. Queen, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Captain Proton, yeah. Like, all of that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time Star Trek allowed itself to have a goofy sense of humor like that, I think. Yeah. And See, I think I... It, go ahead. I think, I think that 
part of it for me is like the style of the costumes that they picked. Because like when I look at like out the other crazy outfits in the room, I love it. I love the weird hair. I love what other people are wearing. But you other got a people woman are wearing... with like uh, angel wings. Yeah. You got, like all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Because it's and like it's weird techno stuff and like weird shiny mm-hmm. fabrics. But these two guys look like they just raided somebody's like costume chest. See, that's I don't why know, I love like, it so much. It doesn't look futuristic to me the way that everybody else in the bar does. Oh, R- Rios, as established, is broody, but not broody in like a Lord Cyanife killed my wife kind of way. No. More in, <laughs> more in like a uh, existential. I've read a lot of books and life is meaningless kind of way. Mm-hmm. He's an intellectual. He's and, col- he's college age broody. Yes, and he and Picard have no idea what CD looks like. Mm-hmm. This is what they came up with. Yep, is how I, I interpreted it. I love P- Picard's costume is so went into somebody's costume trunk. What does a real rogue look like? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I am, I am the and, most sheltered intellectual who retired an admiral and now lives on a vineyard. Like, I, he doesn't I, know. I can see him so perfectly. He puts down the eye patch and just, something's missing. A fencing scar. <laughs> now, we haven't even talked about the best, or probably from Caitlin's POV, the worst part of his whole thing Whoa. which is the accent oh my gosh <laughs> i can hear you blushing i over skype i can hear you blush for it's me. just like, bad like part of it i can't understand what he's saying um <laughs> and part of it is just it's so dramatic and i don't know i can hear the patrick stewart behind it and it, yeah it's just too much for me the, the thing for me was Okay, on one level, you know patrick stewart is having a lot of fun with this mm-hmm. right on a whole other level just Taking yourself through the steps of this is Jean-Luc Picard doing this. Uh-huh. A like, French man from France. Uh, yeah, Flonk's take on this was this is his English accent. Okay. Which <laughs> the funniest damn thing in the world. Uh-huh. Um, but just like think of the Picard we knew over the years and how he's grown and how he's changed. And then reconcile that with what happened here. It it fits, but it's a real reach. I, like, I, I love it. I think it's so wonderful that the show still believe like Picard still can't act yes which has always been a great meta joke because Patrick Stewart's so great yeah but the character he plays has tried and tried to act and just cannot he's just bad at it I am a criminal (laughs) this is the most uh, wanted Borg to ever exist she is chock full of uh, what is word uh, Borg parts now Caitlin is right to point out there is some like uh, valuable exposition there buried under his accent. And if you can't mm-hmm. hear what he's saying, you kind of miss some important information, which is why she's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I watched this episode several times and I did not catch the line that you were referring to until we watched it with the Because yeah, he's saying on. it his comedy accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I totally get that. It would just go like I was laughing so hard the first time that I missed it. Uh, but I but I enjoyed it. And again. Nice to see them embracing a little goofiness. I I appreciate that. I understand that that maybe that vibe doesn't work for you, but I just Star Trek has been so deadly serious through Enterprise, through Discovery. They're so terrified of cracking a smile, doing something a little dumb. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so refreshing. This, yeah. this like so much of this episode was utterly ridiculous, and it was the most fun I've had. Like of the five Picard episodes we've watched, this is my favorite. No, it's the most fun I've had watching Star Trek. Like. I mean, that 20 minutes anyway, mm. of the last three or four series we've covered. Mm-hmm. 
it's just been so long, you know? And it was, yeah, it was so nice. And Rios in his full-on, like, we haven't really talked about this, his full-on pimp outfit. Like, yep. That is the word that immediately jumps to everyone's mind when you see the the big hat with the feather. His hat and needs the, a feather. Yeah. The fur, that like, was, colored fur. Yep. Yeah, it was green fur fucking coat over a, a green suit. Oh, it was oh, every part of it. Like, it's I exquisite. didn't think I could be more into that dude, but yep. here we go. Here we are. <laughs> oh, so good. Mm-hmm. But but the stuff, like the reason they're there is pretty serious. And it's hard to take a character named Bejazel seriously. Oh, dear. But I, uh, this is my good thing. I love her design so much. The name mm-hmm. is shit, but I, yeah, I it and sounds I love like Vajazzling. Her background as Seven's former partner and definite lover. Yeah, there was a real vibe there. Yeah. Now, the fact that she looks exactly like Deanna Troy is weird. I thought one like one of us kind of thought that and the other one glommed onto it. But no, you look on the Internet. Everyone saw everyone. And like Like my nine posted about that. My theory going like as I was watching it is like, oh, she's Betazoid. And like, that's just Betazoid fashion. I just don't. But like they never say it or have her be like you know, psychic or whatever. So I don't know, but I like love her. The logic of that to me is like Picard's clone is bald. Like <laughs> it, not all Betazoids look like Deanna necessarily, you know? No, but having like having one who wears things similar to something she wears could, could be like a, like that's just how some Betazoids yeah, dress. Maybe. I don't know. It was, I don't know if it was the clothes so much as the hair and makeup. I'm yeah, I like, like, it, it makes more sense for me. It makes more sense to me than like I'm just gonna dress like Deanna Troy, a woman I've never met, probably. It was probably a production like, okay, what's a weird sort of quote unquote exotic look? Mm. Well, what about whatever the hell Deanna was doing in season one? That was so yeah. outside, like like it's it's retro in world. It's like, well, this was in fashion in the twenty three sixties or mm. whatever. I don't know. It, I feel like it was someone did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Someone looked at Season one, Deanna, and said, if we recontextualize this as like a crime boss, that would be much better. Yeah. And that's what she was. I love the idea that board parts are so rare and like they've become this black market thing. Well, mm-hmm. they touched on this a bit in Voyager where Borg, nano, Borg nanoprobes can be, or yeah, nanoprobes can basically do anything. Well, they touched on it in Voyager as an escape hatch anytime they didn't know how to fix something. We'll inject the you nanoprobes with nanoprobes. Were just magic. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a good evolution for the series. And like, I assume Borg are real hard to get. Yeah. Like there's only a few that have been cured. Like we said, like we, I was saying, and getting actual Borg corpses off of like a Borg ship is probably very difficult. Yeah. The Romulans yeah. aren't giving any, any up off of their artifact. Mm-hmm. And Generally speaking, only... I feel like contact with the Borg means you die. You don't, don't the, like, yeah, yeah. get things to take home. Party Am favors. I remembering this wrong? Or don't the corpses beam back to the ship too when they die? Uh, no, they turn to ash. I re- I know. I remember the effect was a little confusing, and we mm. thought they beamed, but it's supposed to look like they're like turning to dust. Okay, mm. so there you go. So you have to like capture a live Borg and then pull shit off of him. Yeah. Right. And the only two Borg cubes that I can think of in, like, canon, like, that came to Federation space blew mm-hmm. up. Like, the one in Best of Both Worlds and the best, the one in First Contact. Yeah. So, like... So, yeah. Having Borg, like, a, like, access to Borg technology would still be pretty hard to do. It would make a lot of sense that, like, crime yeah. syndicates are no. looking for them. 
no and i love like yeah in voyager it, it they saw them every week and it was just sort of ho-hum but yeah <clears throat> out in the real world where normal people live they would be incredibly valuable like people with incurable medical conditions mm-hmm. would pay handsomely for magic little robots that will make them perfectly healthy yeah you know or that could stimulate your endorphins and always make you feel amazing mm-hmm. better than any drug or yeah. you know a million things yeah and she was great like oh, her, yeah. her stupid name aside the character was great mm-hmm. like good villain yeah we don't see a whole lot of mob bosses in star trek either and she was very good no, i love her sharp finger dressings <laughs> whatever her, those are her finger bugles yes. yeah yeah no, she her whole look was amazing, but like the character, I like too, and like uh, like this show continues to do a good job with the representation. Like in terms of this villain could have been a dude, but why not a woman? Yeah, yeah good, good idea, good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still, you know, the Rick Berman stuff didn't happen that long ago, so I'm still praising things that shouldn't be that no, unusual. But just it's cause... nice to see them in track finally, you know, after yeah. all this time. Yeah, and. The show's done a pretty good job. I mean, I was about to say with villains, but no, I just realized, no, the Romulan incest twins. They're, yeah, they're not great. They're still out there. No. But but this was a good villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I love her. lizard dude, her, her henchman who could like smell fear and smell lies and oh, all that. I kind of like that. On the second time through, I noticed like his ears bend when he's like sniffing at her and it was so cool. And he's got like noses all over himself yeah, probably. Covered in noses. Yeah, uh-huh. he's got like some wiggly prosthetic Mm-hmm. shit going down yeah great they design pitched down his pitch down his voice better than like d- as recent as discovery they tried to do that where they make the voice sound deeper and it just sounds like a shitty audacity filter that yep. i could do <laughs> they did a much better job so uh caitlin we've talked about this but let's just let's just address it fully your good thing oh uh. Well, my good thing is Seven of Nine, of course. Yeah, um, you put that in before you watched the episode. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, I'm really interested in her new life and her history and what's happened while mm-hmm. we've been out of the picture. Um, I feel like she still seems to have like a strong moral compass. Uh, in, and I think that like what we saw when Janeway Captain Mom was like teaching her, like, you know, we don't leave people behind we don't let you know jerks take advantage of people like the lessons that she taught her i feel like we see that there in the way that she like stayed back and protected these people but we also see that she's not starfleet and she doesn't interpret um the world and right and wrong Mm -hmm. in the same way that maybe janeway would have but she still has like all those lessons that you know she just seems like she has a strong moral compass but it's just not pointing the same direction that um, it would if she was, you know, born and bred Starfleet. And yeah. um, now she's protecting and serving without all the pretense associated with being in Starfleet. Mm. She's really jaded as well. And I mean, obviously, someone very close to her was straight up murdered in front of her eyes when she or was jaded, maybe <laughs> but jaded. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, so I just I want to know more. And I'm really, really excited to know more. And they gave us some little nuggets and well she left she left behind a little like signal watch like if you need me call me here's a thing so she's definitely coming back yeah Yeah. like i i feel like in the finale picard's gonna be in over his head and he's gonna need the cavalry and that's when he's gonna call her but we'll see she took that little uh piece of technology whatever transporter 
tunnel yeah. or thing mm-hmm. with her too. So I'm like, oh, they're just going to be like, oh, pull seven out. And then they do because she's carrying mm-hmm. that or whatever. I I like this as a continue, as you say, a continuation of her arc. Like it, it makes sense. She got back. She was kind of alone. Like the Starfleet people she knew probably drifted away. She had each ebb and that was probably it. And mm-hmm. I could see her turning into this. The only thing I was a little disappointed by was she is an incredibly smart scientist slash engineer. And there wasn't even like one line of dialogue to imply that she had any like she was just a badass. And I'm yeah. fine with that. It didn't feel like they changed her or betrayed her, but she's still a scientist. She still yeah. knows like it would have been nice like when Raffi was explaining how the transporter thing worked, if Seven just sort of rolled her eyes and said, I know I helped build the first version of this yeah. or, you know, something like that. Like, yeah. something to acknowledge that she's she was out there on the frontier doing impossible things that Starfleet scientists didn't know how to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully and next time she shows up, we'll get more of that. It's weird they dropped that angle of her character entirely. Mm. Yeah, especially when, like, I mean, when... When I mean, Voyager is where we remember her from. And she spent yeah. so much of her time doing hardcore, never been done before science in yeah. astrometrics. Like that's yeah. that was her office stuff that made Catherine Janeway, a great scientist, go, wow, that's impressive. Like, that's that's some good. Yeah. That's some good science. Seven. That's very good. Let me bring in Balana and we'll be science bros. I haven't cracked out this one in a while. Ah. <laughs> Why don't you go rewire all of engineering? <laughs> Please yeah. don't do that. <laughs> no, what am I saying? Belana wouldn't say please. <laughs> Get the fuck there out of a... my engineering. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it would be there... ni- like we got to see a little bit of her pilot skills as she like mm-hmm. got there, but we didn't get to see her like whip out that hardcore like, you know, I can. It's almost like she's the MacGyver of science and space. Yeah. I, and I don't want a bunch of dumb techno babble like we got back in the day. I get yeah. it. But just an acknowledgement, just like a. I don't know. It's mostly because I think, one, that's a big part of the character. Two, a badass scientist makes her even more interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just a gun-toting out on the frontier enforcing the law is pretty cool. But a scientist who does that is is the Star Trek spin on it, yeah. you know? Yeah, she's a genius and a superhero. Mm-hmm. Right. She can be two things. <laughs> But all of that said, I I was very happy to see, and she definitely stepped up. It's it's nice to see another character who's like sort of lost, cut like Starfleet sort of broken for them, you know, like mm-hmm. the current Starfleet. Yeah, but not in that way that I hate. Where modern Star Trek wants to say all of that stuff from the previous shows was naive, and these characters yeah would no. go through dark stuff and be bad people. And no, like, not no. at all. It's it feels natural and it, it feels good. Just that is not the direction for her. And it's it would be yeah. so easy to just have her go. Yeah. And then she joins Starfleet like everyone because Starfleet is so great. Starfleet, Starfleet. Uh huh. That said, I would like to see some Starfleet people at some point and I would like to see some good Starfleet. Yeah, people that would be that nice. aren't Corrupt because because five series have told me that this is a good institution. Mostly mm-hmm. I would like to see them live up to that occasionally. Well, yeah, it would I, be... I felt like the show was going to be about like the redemption of Starfleet. Maybe that's not the case. I, who knows? We're halfway. Yeah. We're at the halfway point of this season, mm. and they're doing more than one season. So who knows where they're going? Yeah, I'm curious but... to see who like who else gets pulled like from not necessarily our known history, but maybe from Picard's past or mm, from yeah, other so another another Raffi, somebody else that he served with that we might not be familiar with. Well, it was cool yeah, seeing or somebody that doctor that's from still the in Stargazer. Oh, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. that's still in in Starfleet. Mm. 
oh crap, I just remembered. I was going to point out um, when we were talking about Janeway a second ago. There is an adorable tweet out there uh, where someone posted eye patch Picard and uh, uh, Mulgrew in an eye patch. I think in uh, Orange is the New Black. Is mm. that where? I in some oh. role recently she's worn an eye patch mm. and said who wore it better, and then Mul- <laughs> Mulgrew retweeted that and said answer carefully. <laughs> it was very good. That's awesome. She's yeah. been in a lot of stuff lately. Yeah, she's still working. Yeah, she's great. Like, she's doing all kinds of stuff. It's great and theater to keep and... theater and stuff. Yeah, I would love to see her turn up in this or some other Star Trek mm. project. She did some voice acting recently too, with, associated with a play she did. They did an, a special like audible version of the play. So it's like oh, that's cool. It's like these two women acting out this whole entire play. It's very cool. Like I, mm-hmm. I love, I love hearing her work um, and seeing her work because. Um, I feel like she has a pretty uh, big range too mm-hmm. that we only got to see a part of in in her role as Janeway. Mm-hmm. She's also uh, I keep getting audio books by Joe Hill read by her. Oh yeah, huh. interesting. Yeah, I like her voice. It's fun. Yeah, to, huh. It's fun to be like like carrying on with your audio book, and you're like, oh, my Captain Janeway. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, that is cool. Yeah, it's very recognizable for me. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? So I had two. Um, First of all, uh, one of the ads from Free Cloud. Uh, <laughs> oh, the Raff- pop-up ads when they first Raffy get to gets the planet. Is, a, uh-huh. is for snake juice, and it's a goddamn fucking hippie. Uh-huh. If you thought I was now, mad about the use of the word dude a couple episodes back, the fact that hippies still exist in the future, fuck off. Now, once again, I want to clarify. Mm-hmm. Do you think this was a deliberately terrible choice in-universe that's actually good? Or do you think they shouldn't have put it in the show? I think that they should not have put it in the show. I loved those pop-up ads because they were all terrible and they were all targeted. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved that uh, each one of them got something very spe- Like, hey, why don't you come gamble? Hey, why don't you come do drugs? And Picard got this prim English woman saying, why don't you come have some tea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it See, the was other, so good. But the thing is, the other three felt kind of timeless to me. Like... One's a mechanic, like an alien mechanic, and one's like, I don't know, an Alice in Wonderland thing. Yeah. And a robot. And then there's like a weird fucking 1960s hippie. Like, it's because stoners never, like, they, they don't never update change. their look. Yeah. <laughs> stoners never that change. That aesthetic is still basically the same. Ugh. Um, uh, my other one. Someone, well, yeah, I was going to, I was going to give you a little help there because yeah. someone didn't get one. Yeah. So, uh, Elmo gets no, no ad. And we were all kind of talking about this, like, during the episode. After the, all of that episode last week, getting him on the ship, the dude has nothing to do in this episode. He just sort of and stands the show around. Hangs, the show hangs a lantern on that several times. Yeah. Like, he was almost Seven my bad says, thing. Seven says, why don't you just be the Elmo that keeps his mouth shut? Yeah. And, like, a couple of times they're just, like, uh, standing there awkwardly when he says something and just, like, uh... Okay, anyway. Like they've 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 characterized him as kind of an out of touch dork, which I sort of like because I was expecting him to be like the the whole quiet dignity and honor thing that I've seen a million times. Yeah, like early wharf. Exactly. And I don't want to see that again. But like he he's just a big nothing in this episode, you know? Why you know, did we spend feels... a whole episode getting him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it feels like that's gonna pay off later, but it feels like they could have plotted it so that he showed up when he was useful instead it... of Showing up and then immediately being shuffled to the back. Yeah, exactly. 
like any ensemble show does episodes where one character doesn't really fit and they sort of shuffle them, you know. Yeah, like, but well, like, this this person doesn't fit the tone of this episode, so they are off on a side adventure. But yeah. he just was standing there awkwardly. Yeah, I'm not saying give him like like the episode should be about him again, but just like no. something to do other than stand in the background would be nice. If he's on the crew, he should be contributing. Like, contributing. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, like wait, just wait until you bring him in, mm-hmm. or don't bring him in at all because I think he's terrible. But that's me. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, my bad thing actually mm-hmm. has to do with like, um, the ensemble and sending people off on side adventures. Mm-hmm. So I've said this a few weeks in a row. I was excited to finally dig into Rafi's backstory because she seems interesting and I want to know what she's up to. And turns out it was all a bit standard and boring. Sure thing. She, she's a recovering addict estranged from her family because of her wacky conspiracy theories, which are totally grounded in reality, by the way, they've alienated everyone around her. Like this is... I've seen this in a thousand million movies. This is like, like your copy of Final Draft says, oh, you were writing a woman in her 40s. May I suggest doing this? Mm-hmm. It's just such a stock. Like, she's got to get her life back together. And there's a way to tell that where it's interesting. I'm not saying stories about people struggling with substance abuse or family issues. that They're not good stories, but they didn't add anything to it. It was just, it was, it was, the. It was so stock. It was well, so yeah. boring. Such a like that stock. That stock. Uh, Mom, you drove you drove me and dad away with your with your drugs and your conspiracies. Like it. Oh, yeah, it's so lame. Given that and given that to a woman of color is also not terrible. Yeah, is the drug addict either? Yeah, yeah the dr- the drug addict who abandoned her family is not great either. Yeah, that is that is something to consider as well. Just the whole the thing, thing is, was ha, it was just so like a off putting. B, mm-hmm. it served it served no purpose other than to make her leave and come back. Like yeah. I don't yeah. didn't tell me like anything that she's gonna like keep holding on to. It's just like I went, I came back. This person is not speaking to me. This probably is no longer going to be a plot point, and like nothing was accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I and uh, much like the eye patch Picard thing, Caitlin, you and I disagree a little on the uh, the, the the last beat. I I liked it. You didn't. Where she's sulking in her room, <laughs> and Picard's sort of calling out to her through the closed door, and she's like, "Don't talk to me, Dad. Yeah, I'm back on the ship. Leave me alone." I thought that was funny, but you you thought what it was a little too far. Uh, it was just too dadalicious for me. Like <laughs> I like him to play subtle dad, not like my real actual dad. Like <laughs> that was fair. some real actual dad stuff. And yeah, it felt. I think that's why I liked it is because it felt so sort of overtly sitcom. Mm. But yeah, you know. And like sitcoms are it. my least favorite form of television, so maybe yeah, that's no, why. <laughs> I don't know, this is another one that Jonathan Frakes directed, and there were so many things that I thought could have been lame that weren't, and I I think he probably gets credit for that. Mm. Yeah. There was a lot like, going on in this episode. There was a lot of elements, a lot happened. Yeah, and the fact that we got our first, like, CD bar that actually seemed like a, a CD bar, I think the, the director has to get some credit for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just just put Frakes in charge and we'll be fine. And overall, I I honestly loved the episode overall. There was like yeah. a few points where I, I felt like things were not of my course jam. You did. It was all about seven of nine. Well, that's true. But even in general, like I just I thought the story flowed with mm-hmm. a 
um, intention that has possibly been lacked in the previous episodes. Some of the previous episodes I got, I got a little lost in and, or I felt like there was just too much going on or they weren't as intentional, but this one felt like it had a purpose, like from start to finish and they didn't get necessarily all weird and sidetracked. Mm. Uh, I was not crazy about Agnes being a murderer at the end. Yeah, that wasn't a great reveal. But this show has earned the benefit of the doubt. Like, that yeah. happened in the last moments, and it could go a lot of different places, and my knee-jerk is like, well, Star Trek will fuck this up. But you know what? This show's this show's swerved a bunch of times, so uh, we'll see. Maybe not. Yeah, but I'm trying I to like withhold her. judgment. I like her, and one of the things I liked about her was how pure she was. Mm-hmm. She was a sheltered scientist who had never picked up a phaser before she, or a disruptor in this case, accidentally, well, you know, not accidentally, but shot that Romulan. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's in way over her head, and she's sort of our regular person character with all these Starfleet veterans, and I kind of like that. And now it's like, no, she's got a dark secret, maybe, and mm. she, she just killed somebody. Like, oh, man. Yeah, I feel like I need to understand why so that I can make a judgment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's that's what well, I say. I assume Usually, that's what next week we'll get into. But uh... Star Trek for so long has trained me to believe the thing that I assume to be true will be true because mm. they're so lazy. This show's not entirely like that, so we'll see. But right now, Amanda's theory is that uh, she believes in all that destroyer stuff that... Yeah. Uh, uh, Daja's sister is gonna whatever the prophecy and blah. see if that's the not... case I will be very annoyed because <laughs> yeah. I don't care about any of that stupid shit yeah it's a valid theory though like, mm. it I mean up. it makes the most sense of anything so far yeah I assume we're gonna be dealing with all this next week especially that things... uh, another thing I have to atone for line yeah I see I think it's because she thinks the synths that her research contributed to are doing bad things and that she feels responsible. Mm. That's that's what I got out of that. But we'll see. See, I have I this know. maybe baby theory that mm-hmm. um, just be, because of like the tone that, that she was saying some of those things and that he had said to her about her contributions is that maybe Maddox did some fucked up shit to make these people to make this happen because yeah, he had be. talked. He was like reinventing the wheel on the science mm-hmm. on how to do this and that maybe he like did something that broke their whatever norm mm-hmm. for or of ethics on how to accomplish this. That's kind of, and be, and he did it secret. He used her work secretly from her mm-hmm. is, is the gist that I'm getting as well. And so I'm, I'm curious if he has betrayed her somehow, that would be my preference versus yeah. her being a fanatic. I would prefer her to not be but a I don't fanatic. Know that that, I don't know that that justifies her murdering him though. No. And I, th- th- you know, that's why I'm just curious. I want to know, I need more information yeah. before I can make I, a judgment I, about hating it. Mm-hmm. I assume we're going to get into that next week. So, like, I doubt they're going to sit on this. I doubt we'll we'll follow. You know, I you can't we'll sit on murder, right man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Murder I on did the like, ship. I did like that uh, uh, Rios's uh, EMH popped up anytime she was feeling super high anxiety. That's great. I, I thought that was a really interesting angle where he's I, like, uh, please, please state the nature of the psychiatric emergency. I'm I could like, use Ooh. one of those now, honestly. <laughs> yeah. When you're having a panic attack, it <laughs> just yep. pops up and says, he's like, hey. I'll give you a sedative. I'm like, yes. hey, buddy, calm down. Yeah. Your, your brain chemicals are way off the charts. You need to, you need to chill. <laughs> uh, I love do a sedative. like as uh, Maddox is dying at the end, uh, the EMH pops up and I feel like he should be trying to save 
Maddox right up until uh, Agnes shuts him down. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, I feel like she knows enough about AI that she can cover her tracks. But in sure. the moment, you're right. Why wasn't it doing its job? Like, Why wasn't it there when they got on the ship? Going, like, what's the problem? What's the problem? It's like, you can see oh. what the problem is. You should be trying to fix it. You're a doctor. Yeah, but it's it, smart enough. It, showing... it feels like it should do something. Mm -hmm. It was showing up for her. It, it wasn't even there for him until it saw him. Like, I mean, that's true. Like the computer wasn't scanning for his life signs for some reason. Mm -hmm. It was it, it popped up because her whatever, like her crazy chemicals were elevated. And then it physically saw Maddox and said, hey, uh, wait a minute. Like, I wonder if that's part of it. Like, maybe maybe there's a difference between the medical uh, EMH and the psychic. No, he's in, no, I think he's the same EMH. I okay. could be wrong. I think there's like a shield around Bruce that he can't see into or something. Oh, OK. Like maybe. That? I don't know. Because there's a reason, like, there had to be a reason he wasn't there when they when they rushed his damaged body onto the ship. Mm -hmm. Isn't that when the EMH pop up and say, oh, sick man, let me let me help. Yeah. One would think. That makes sense. But it was only responding to Agnes, and that's, I don't know, that might that's, be right. I didn't notice that. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I uh, could be way off. Last week, I had, I had some theories that were all wrong, so. <laughs> I think it's fun that we're doing new shows and we're guessing like, yeah we don't know what's coming i'm in, i'm enjoying speculating yeah and i'm enjoying being wrong because i hate being able to predict where a show's going every week so yeah so that's good i'm enjoying uh, having something to speculate about mm -hmm. yeah it's nice uh what else uh let's see anything I have a note here that it's like, okay, they're expect they expect that nobody is gonna recognize Picard. I don't know. Like he's not you, super famous, but like do you he did know save the universe a couple of times. Can you name one admiral? Yeah, but my life, like, the universe isn't based around the military here. Well, sort of. I, it's not there either. Just the stories we've seen are. Mm. I've always gotten the impression that Starfleet, like like the Starfleet centric shows we watch are important, but to the average person, they don't know who these people are. Like, maybe Captain Kirk got a parade after he saved the Earth, but... Captain you know. Kirk would have gotten several parades. He would have demanded them. Yes, but Picard, probably not. Like, I don't think I don't think a lot of people know who... Like, they knew his name. Mm. But also, a bald human with an eye patch, you I might not immediately that's say, that's, that's Captain, you know, that's Admiral Picard. Mm. Also, I always like the idea of aliens not being able to tell humans apart. Yeah, that seems <laughs> they that all seems look likely. the same. Mm -hmm. Now, if if Big Lizard Guy had smelled Captain Picard before, he would have spotted him. <laughs> you smell like Captain Picard. I am mm -hmm. Captain Picard. Shit. Damn it. I Gets mean, me uh, uh, Zutelor. Yeah, je suis someone else. <laughs> <laughs> je m'appelle not Captain Picard. Captain <laughs> Picard. Mm -hmm. John Luke Pickard. Uh-huh. Uh, Caitlin, anything else? Um, one thing that's just a general note is that I hate that the big bad in a lot of these stories just sounds like they're saying Tasha Yar over and over and over. <laughs> All I hear is Tasha Yar huh. every time they talk about the Romulan secret police, so. Oh, Tal Shiar. Yeah, okay. yeah, because the way they pronounce it, it just, it doesn't, yeah. you don't hear the L. It just well, sounds like Tasha Yar. Mm. I never put that together before, but now I will not be able to not hear That's that. That's so. all I've heard since the season started. It's been driving oh, yeah. me insane. <laughs> well, 
it might be foreshadowing because I maintain my theory that the big bad is is uh, Tasha's Romulan daughter. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> Makes the I, most sense. Started as a joke. I I think it more than ever. It would be mm-hmm. hilarious if they've been saying Tasha's name this whole time. Well, in my head anyway. Uh huh. And then that happens. My only uh, other that... thing is that the the cookie making video is very cute. I thought it was a good take on like next gen always had like people rolling their eyes at the replicator. Oh, making things with your hands. Is so... And it was always this like smug, stiff speech. And this played out so much more human and natural. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. I replicate the ingredients and make the cookies because mine are better. It just mm-hmm. it felt like more natural dialogue. I liked it. Yeah, it was a cute scene. I think Agnes and Bruce being an item was kind of gross. I think it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, I think it's meant to be. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Uh, I think, I, but I got a real, like, Professor T.A. vibe from them. Sure. Which is, you know, like, the 50-year-old professor whose wife doesn't understand him and the teaching assistant who is, like, a sophomore or something. Like, yeah, you know? I mean, it is absolutely gross. It also absolutely happens. Yeah, no, and if that's part of... Uh, if, if, I keep wanting to call her Dr. Devlin because Amanda <laughs> pointed out that Agnes looks a bit like Devlin, who's regularly on the show. <laughs> And now that's Agnes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, if it's part of Agnes's character, that would totally make sense. But again, I think we're going to dive more into that probably next week. Yeah, hopefully. So we'll see. All right. I need to know. I think that's everything I got. All right. Well, that's all for this time. Uh, as ever, the website postatomichorror.com. You want to write to us, postatomichorror at Gmail. Again, if you're lost in all the uh, deep continuity weeds, we would be happy to answer any of your questions. Mm-hmm. Just just write to us, ask us. We will we will happily dumb it down. And I don't say that like condescendingly. I mean it. We're, mm-hmm. we're happy to say, look, we've watched all this. We know this stuff. We'll, we'll explain it to you so you don't have to dig around like 50 terrible YouTube videos. We'll explain it in like a minute. Yeah. Uh, we're on Tumblr, postatomicore.tumblr.com, on Twitter, at Algar, at Robot Matt. Caitlin, mm-hmm. you want to give your uh, Twitter? At Landia. Very good. And next week, Amanda will be with us, so yes. look forward to that. And that's all for this time. Yeah, see ya, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2020. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>